Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Bellato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And we have a little bit of news in the NFL that just broke about an hour ago that Chris and I are going to discuss because it does, we believe, impact the New York football giants and their quest to hire a defensive coordinator. And we also want to talk about the first two days of practice down in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl, where our very own, the New York Giants' very own, maybe I should say, quarterback <laughs> coach is the offensive coordinator for the national team down there. So I want to talk about some of the players that are really standing out. Chris, I got to say, man, this draft, this draft is loaded with talent. The, the more and more I dig into this draft, the more and more impressed I am with how many talented players there are in this specific draft relative to other drafts. So Chris, before we get into the news that surrounds the defensive coordinator position, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Like I'm just like you, I'm digging into this draft class and it really is impressive. It we do get cycles like this where, you know, last year the draft was kind of on the weak side. There, there were some prospects up high. I mean, obviously CJ Stroud came out, but overall the class, you know, there, there wasn't a ton of depth in last year's draft class. This year is definitely making up for it. And like you said, it is loaded and it is loaded at the most important positions. Like there are mm -hmm. a bunch of very good quarterbacks. There are a bunch of very good offensive tackles. There are a bunch of very good cornerbacks. There's a bunch of very good wide receivers. There's a bunch of potentially good edge defenders. And then there's also talent at tight end, talent in at the safety position, talent, I think, I'm actually a little bit higher on the interior offensive line class than I think a lot of other people are right now, but that's because I also do include some potential tackle converts in that class. But yeah, this this draft class is loaded, and it's a good year for the Giants to have a bunch of picks in the first two days. I was going to say, I'm so happy that the New York Giants got a hold of the Seattle Seahawks second round pick. And this is how you professionally segue to the Seattle Seahawks who made their head coaching hire, leaving the Washington Commanders as the only team looking for a head coach. And the hire was Mike McDonald. The Ravens defensive coordinator is now the Seahawks head football coach, which removes Mike Kafka as a possible candidate who was going to be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. They were at least poking and prodding around Mike Kafka. I think he might have had two interviews, if I'm he not did. mistaken, with, yeah, with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. But more importantly than that is Denard Wilson, who this isn't uh, for sure, but I think we can maybe glean that Denard Wilson is the number one choice for the defensive coordinator position for the New York Giants. He was the first one the Giants interviewed, and the Giants did not hire a defensive coordinator until this domino fell. And with the Ravens losing on Sunday, Mike McDonald accepted the job to be the Seattle Seahawks head coach, which leaves a vacancy for the Baltimore Ravens to possibly hire Denard Wilson and upgrade him from defensive backs coach to their defensive coordinator, leaving the Giants in a position where they're not going to get their first option. What is your thought on, on that situation, and how do you read this Mike McDonald hire and how it impacts the Giants? Yeah, Mike McDonald was the domino to fall as far as the Giants' defensive coordinator search because, like I said, Denard Wilson was the first guy they interviewed. I believe he was the first guy to get two interviews. He might have been the only one to get two interviews so far. And the if the Giants wanted anybody else, 
they probably would have hired them by now. It, it seems to me, I don't have inside information on this, but it seems to me like they were waiting on Denard Wilson and Denard Wilson was waiting on Mike McDonald because if McDonald leaves, that opens up the defensive coordinator job in Baltimore. And that is frankly a better job than the one in New York. You know, it's got better talent. It's a system he knows and they also have a pretty darn good offense over there. The other possibility I have seen mentioned is that Wilson could follow McDonald over to Seattle and be the Seahawks defensive coordinator. That I think is intriguing, at least for him from a career advancement perspective, because you know, the Seahawks, they've got those two young corners over there. They've got some good players on their defensive front in their secondary Julian Love they've they can at least talk to Leonard Williams and hope to keep him around yet Boye Maffey your guy off the edge over there so they've got some tools over there that a guy like Denard Wilson could use to polish up his own resume if he wants to be a head coach but then the Giants are also lurking the question I think is what happens if Denard Wilson decides to take or is offered the Baltimore or Seattle jobs. And that I think gets things start to get very, very interesting for the Giants because Joe Shane has said he anticipates hiring a defensive coordinator by the end of this week. So right now it is Wednesday afternoon as we record. There isn't a whole hell of a lot left to this week. And I would more or less expect to hear something by uh, maybe this evening. Who knows? probably Thursday, Friday at the latest, because then you, you've got the Senior Bowl on Saturday. So things are going to start moving very fast for the Giants. The other domino potentially to fall is Mike Kafka. Yeah, I think we're still kind of on Kafka watch because the Seahawks did interview him twice. He was one of two offensive-minded coaches, the other being Ben Johnson, the Lions still offensive coordinator. So... The Giants could not possibly block Mike Kafka from interviewing for a head coaching job. But if the Seahawks had their eyes set and their hearts set on Mike McDonald all along, they do now know what Mike Kafka would do for their offense. They've got a sense of him as a man, mm -hmm. as a coach. They're getting a look at him really running a unit independent of Ryan Dayball down in the Shrine Bowl as the head coach for, I believe it was the... East team, but I don't have that in front of me, whatever. So it's possible that they could, if they do like Kafka, they could extend an offer to him as offensive coordinator. Now, I don't know if the Giants could block him from higher, from accepting that. I, since it's a lateral move, I believe they could, but it would be very interesting to see if they would take that option. Yeah. You know, Again, they, they said they expect him to be their offensive coordinator. They don't expect him to go anywhere. But I got to say, the word expect has done a lot of heavy lifting for the Giants here. Certainly the operative word. And it's very interesting, everything that's going on with Seattle. For Denard Wilson could have two options above the Giants. Like you brought up the Seattle one, and that's very it's a, that's a very um, relevant topic, right? 
It also depends on what kind of head coach Mike McDonald is looking to be. Is he going to have hands on the defense? Would Denard Wilson want to go over there? But even if that is the case, Denard Wilson still could just get promoted in-house, which is going to render the Giants irrelevant to the conversation. With Mike Kafka, the Giants can block a lateral move over to Seattle, but I don't know what's going on in that building. Obviously, there was some weird shit stuff, I should say, going on (laughs) in that building with with the coaching staff, Wink Martindale, uh, Kevin Wilkins, Drew Wilkins, all, all of these coaches on the defensive side, and Brian Dable. And we also heard reports, they're not even rumors, reports that Brian Dable revoked Mike Kafka's play calling throughout the season. And if that's the case, maybe they will let Mike Kafka go because there could be a disconnect between Kafka and Dable. I'm not ruling that out. So it's really fascinating to watch what Seattle is going to do at offensive coordinator, how that's going to impact the New York Giants. And same with Baltimore. I love the Giants are the third party in this situation. And then you also have another defensive or a potential defensive coordinator option for the Giants who was removed in Bobby Bobak or Bobich. I'm not 100% certain how it is pronounced because he was promoted. He was the linebacker coach for the Bills. Now he is the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people expected that he could have been the second or third option for the New York Giants to take the defensive coordinator spot. Now he is no longer an option. Yeah, the the Giants are not out of the woods yet as far as it, as far as their coaching search and the the moving parts within their coaching staff. It is entirely possible that a week from now they could have Jerome Henderson and Shea Tierney be there defensive and offensive <laughs> coordinators respectively because Tierney he is part of the coached up program down at the senior bowl he's in Mobile Alabama working with I believe it's the national team as their offensive coordinator so yep he is getting experience calling plays and running an offense and he has been with Brian Dayball for a while so it's yeah that I I think is a potential outcome we should at least be aware of. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of weird how they, it has been a relatively quiet time for the Giants on the news front. You know, they haven't had any hires. They ha- you know nothing has really happened, but just one move today, and it, it just kind of sets everything in motion. This kind of Rude Goldberg quarterback. Uh, coaching carousel that never seems to stop in the NFL. And some of the names that I guess we have to pay attention to would be the Chiefs linebacker coach, Brandon Daly, the Dolphins linebacker coach, Anthony Campanell, Shane Bowen, the former Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator. Those are all pl- or people that the Giants have have interviewed. Derek Ansley, the interim defensive coordinator this past year after Brendan Staley was fired. He is another name that the Giants have interviewed. That was with the Chargers, of course. But Chris, I think before we get to some of these senior bowl guys that we want to go over, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. All righty, Chris. Yo, this senior bowl event is a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun in the offensive line and in the trenches, but it's also a lot of fun at the wide receiver position. And there have been some wide receivers, specifically on day one, Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson, who absolutely dominated and took the headlines. We saw in day two, Roman Wilson faced Kayon Mitchell, I believe is how you pronounce it, of, uh, what is that, Toledo, if I'm not mistaken. And this kid, from the little bit of film I have seen, and also just watching the Senior Bowl, the event, he is... 
a possible first round pick, probably a first round pick. Mitchell is who I'm referring to, who's very sticky in coverage. And Mitchell reportedly called out Roman Wilson at the end of practice when they do one on ones to see who is going to get punished with pushups, which side of the football, the offense or the defense. Mitchell called out Wilson and Wilson hit him with a beautiful release that got Mitchell all stumbled. And when Wilson made a catch on an errant throw by Michael Penix behind him with one hand along the sideline and got his knee inbounds. It was a very, very impressive play by Roman Wilson, the Michigan wide receiver. Lad McConkey had a quiet day two, but a very loud day one. And that is the Georgia wide receiver. And then in day one, Xavier Leggett, the South Carolina wide receiver was pretty quiet, but today in today's practice, Xavier Leggett was everywhere. So what is your overall takeaway from the senior bowl practice and the wide receivers who are down there? Yeah, they, you know, we, we opened the show talking about just how deep this draft class is. And this wide receiver class is ridiculous. Like Giants fans, you have been, we've been talking about, and you've been hearing about obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. He is pacing the field. He will be the first receiver off the board. People are talking about him in kind of the same tones as they did. Uh, honestly, Calvin Johnson back in the day, that's the last, you know, maybe Julio Jones is the the last receiver I have seen that's gotten this amount of pre-draft hype. But then you've got Roma Dunze out of uh, Washington, Malik Neighbors out of LSU, and you've got Keon Coleman, and you just like this litany of first-round talents at the wide receiver position. But then you get down to Lad McConkey, Rowan Wilson, Xavier Leggett. Um, oh, name slipped my mind, but the kid from Florida, uh, Purcell, if I remember correctly. Purcell, yep. If I'm pronouncing remembering and pronouncing it correctly. Like you've got these guys just showing up and showing out. You know, the thing that stood out to me watching Georgia tape this year is just how good of a route runner Lad McConkey is. Like he reminds me of some of those kind of undersized slot receivers that New England and Tom Brady would always kill the NFL with or more recently guys like Hunter Renfro who yes, not big not fast, but they have at, they just have ball magnets in their hands, and they run routes like it's a joystick. Like they they can just make any break they want at any time they want. They've got great precision. They know how to set defenders up, and they just get open. Yeah. Then Roman Wilson. Yeah, he's a guy. He kind he caught my eye watching Michigan this year, and I think what catches your eye on the Michigan tape is his speed down the field. In that regard, he reminds me of Jalen Hyatt. And I think they've got pretty similar builds as well. But the move he put on Mitchell today, and then the catch he made, the body control to get that knee down inside, in bounds, that reminded me honestly of Odell Beckham and the catch. So this is just an incredibly impressive receiver class. And I think we could see the Giants double dip and get two receivers out of this draft class just because of how deep it is. Like it is entirely possible that they could be sitting in round three and get a receiver who would be their second receiver drafted if they take one in the first round, who could be a first rounder in almost any other year. And the offensive line, man, I mean, they're just uh 
maybe even deeper than the receiver, which is so crazy to say because there are so many good receivers. But holy crap, man, studying through this offensive line, you got guys who are down at the senior bowl who are really impressing me. You have individuals like Christian Haynes or uh, uh, Christian Hayes, I should say, from, from UConn, who has had two very good practices now. So good that... Jordan Jefferson of LSU got so pissed at him after losing a rep that he ripped his helmet off, almost Miles Garrett in him, and then threw the Yukon helmet away, prompting Hayes to say, you need to find church, <laughs> which was <laughs> a really good comeback in a situation like that. But I don't know how many first round picks just on the offensive line are down in Mobile right now, like a player like Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Like he's more than likely going to be a first round pick when you are that size. It doesn't matter that he has some fundamental flaws, his overall movement skills and his length. The NFL covets players like that. So just looking at, and then you have a player like Jackson Powers Johnson, right? The center guard, whatever you really want to call him from, from uh, Oregon down there on day one, bro, that dude's anchor and his ability to reset his hips and absorb power moves. So strong at the point of attack, discarding defensive linemen when their momentum is just exhausted as they attempt to explode low to high into contact. I'm just looking around at, and I, there's so many other guys, Javon Foster from, there's so many other guys I haven't even named, dude. What are your, what's your takeaways here with this offensive line? I, I just, I look at it, Chris, and I'm like, I hope the giants find a way to add one of these players who can play guard and just help solidify this just terrible unit that has been plaguing the New York Giants for more than a decade now. Yeah, the, I wanted to make sure to, and I, I wanted to make sure to get my scouting report on Christian Haynes out before these practices started because he was actually one of the first players I did a full report on this year. And I, as soon as I watched him, I turned him on. I knew, like, okay, he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. I need to get this done before the Senior Bowl. But I am saving this report for the senior role because people are going Smart. to be talking about him. Yes, UConn was very tough to watch. Their offense was painful at times. I'm going to say they made the Giants look like a well-oiled machine a lot of the time. But Christian Hayes, he, he jumped off the screen. And I am not at all surprised that he made an opposing defensive an opposing defensive lineman have to go find some Jesus after that because he is powerful he is quick he is i would say pretty technically sound particularly from the waist down he's got a wide base very good feet his feet are always planted 6 feet into the turf like he just does not move if he doesn't want to move also in this this kind of stood out to me sh uh, shortly before we started recording. The Giants' new offensive coordinator—I'm sorry, offensive line coach, Carmen Bracillo, was spotted talking to Jackson Powers Johnson, and I noted in my report of him, JPJ has played guard in the past. He does have snaps at guard. I believe it was right guard for Oregon was. before becoming their full-time center and being the best center in college football last year. He won that award, and he's got great size. He's got good mobility. He is very quick. He's got good hand usage, and yeah, he has tons of power. Like, 
I would say he is on my short list for day two, second round for the Giants. Because you can draft him, plug him in at guard, and then if anything happens to JMS, you just shift JMJ over. You have your starting and starting caliber backup centers right there. Yeah, man, and there's other just offensive linemen too, like the Washington guys. And I know the uh, the one Washington player didn't show up down there, but what was his name? Rosengarten. I'm, I'm watching this kid move, and, I'm, and I wanted to pose this to you before we get into the defensive prospects because there are also several other players. I brought up Guyton a little bit earlier who are down there who possibly could play right tackle for the Giants. If you're Joe Shane, how much thought do you put into the right tackle position with a higher draft pick? Let's say with one of those second round picks that the Giants possess. How much actual thought, and I know it's probably going to come down to value, and if somebody they really love is on the board, I don't, I mean, we don't really have the answer to this, Chris, right? But I do wonder since the right, like to me, the right tackle position is still one that is very questionable. And I just, think if the right value is there, do you select him and then just put your best five out there for Brasillo to figure out? And that would include Evan Neal more than likely if he can't win that right tackle job over whatever rookie this is, put Evan Neal in at a guard spot. What are your thoughts on that? I think that at the very least, that has to be a consideration for the Giants. I think ideally they would like Evan Neal to show that the reasons he never developed, the reasons there even are these questions are because, number one, Bobby Johnson just didn't do a good job of developing young guys, and that was basically the reason why he was fired. And also, Evan Neal has had injuries, and he's had lower body injuries, and that can make it difficult for an offensive lineman to play. Like, you know, that those are big guys. They put a lot of strain on their pins. And if you cannot move, you cannot play tackle. So I think ideally the giants want Evan Neal to stick, succeed and excel at right tackle. But if one of these guys that is, that looks so good at right tackle right now, either an underclassman who isn't in mobile or one of these guys in mobile is sitting there for one of the Giants' second-round picks, Joe Shane has to at least consider it. You know, it's it pays to have, and this is one thing I th- I think we the Giants learned time and again th- this past year. It pays to have backup plans. It pays to have options because even draft picks that seem like luxuries. The injury bug has a way of making those luxuries necessities pretty damn quickly. So that, that I think, has to at least be talked about in the Giants draft room, and they should have that as a potential contingency. And like you said, just get their best five out there. You know you've got left tackle set. You know you've got center set. John Michael Schmidt absolutely should get his sophomore year to show that he can even out the the dips in his play and be a good starting center for the Giants. But left guard, right guard, right tackle, those should all be open competitions. So we saw Tavondre Sweat. For those who don't know, Tavondre Sweat is a defensive lineman from the University of Texas. It is unfortunate, Chris, that Byron Murphy backed out 
I'm not 100% certain what, what the reasoning was, but Byron Murphy is another Texas defensive lineman who was supposed to go to the senior bowl and he didn't, he, uh, he just didn't show up. And this is something that's common. It's not like he, he just absolutely stiffed them. He let them know it's, it's not a slight on him. This happens every year. People accept uh, a bid to go to the senior bowl and then they don't come the week of But Byron Murphy is very, very fun to watch. If you haven't seen him yet, that that's a, that's a very fun watch, but his teammate Tavondre sweat is the size of, I don't know, the empire state building, Mount Everest, whatever. <laughs> he didn't weigh in down there, which is, is a slight and you can watch his tape and you could see the fatigue that Andre Sweat has later in games, especially when he's playing a lot. He's about 360 plus pounds. So he's significantly bigger than Dexter Lawrence. And the thought of Sweat playing with Lawrence <laughs> is a lot of fun, but you didn't hear too much from Sweat in practice one, but holy crap in practice two, he was hitting guys with swim moves because for a big guy, he tries speed pass rushes, which I appreciate. But then at some point you're like, yo, bro, you are really strong. Just run through the dude. <laughs> and he did that too. I don't know the offensive lineman. It's probably good that I don't. So I don't like throw this dude under the bus or anything, but like he ran through an opposing offensive lineman and the guy folded back like a lawn chair. Like he folded back, went straight on his back and he had Tavondre sweat. This is had like two or three other reps that were like, Holy crap, man. What a day for Tavondre sweat. Do you think a player like him? I'm thinking he's like a, a day two pick probably in the second round. Where do you have him? And, <laughs> and just, I, I know the giants don't have the luxury to select a player like this, but just the thought of him playing next to Dexter Lawrence, does that get you excited? Yeah. Um, if we, when, if we got into our time machine and went back a couple years, I would say Tavondre Sweat would be in play for six overall because I think he <laughs> would have Dave Gettleman all kinds of excited. Uh, uh, it's not a good thing either. <laughs> I, I got to say, even though I criticized him at the time, Gettleman did nail the Dexter Lawrence pick. Yeah, he, 100%. He, he does. I think when he referred to hog mollies, he was talking about defensive tackles. BJ Hill, that was a that was a solid pick. He was a good player. Dexter Lawrence is a good player. And I think Tavondre Sweat next to Dex would be, as you say, well, a half ton of fun because literally the two of them together are almost <laughs> half a ton. They would be over 700 pounds. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason why he didn't weigh in is he might he might have broken a scale if he hopped on it. He is he is a small he is a small planet. He is the planet theory. But like you said, he moves incredibly well for a guy his size. He moves like Dexter Lawrence, like Jordan Davis coming out of Georgia, like Snacks Harrison back in the day and he has that uh, motor too bro like yes. he has like a ton of like again he fatigues and, he, and he's not obviously like the quickest guy but like his motor reminds me of dexter lawrence too it's just he he gets tired a lot quicker than dexter lawrence typically does yeah uh you could even throw out vince wilfork as another name that comes mm. to mind we're talking about th this type of guy and you know maybe he does need to lose some weight i mean realistically he probably does need to lose some weight that would help with his endurance that would help with his stamina that would help with his quickness too and just the area of the field that he could cover because like you said he does have a, a good motor and I, i'm i'm struggling to to come up with words for what sweat and dexter lawrence would look like together because I, 
I'm not sure we've ever seen anything quite like that. You know, maybe the Williams Wall in Minnesota. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Going back quite a few years. Like you said, that would be a luxury pick. But I also have to quote myself here. Luxuries have a way of becoming necessities in the NFL. And I would say one thing. Ain't nobody running up the middle on the Giants with those two out there. And I would I would not envy an offensive play caller or a center or a quarterback who has to figure out the protections with, say, yeah. both of those guys head up on a guard. Or one of them you know, put sweat at zero technique and or a one technique and decks at a three or a four eye. I don't know how you protect against that because both of those dudes need double teams. And so you're using four guys to block two guys that math don't math for the offense. (laughs) Chris Flum is a philosophizer. I love it, (laughs) dude. I absolutely love, uh, love your, your statements there. And it it is crazy too, because the Williams wall, that was like a 300 and what 20 pounder and like a 315 pounder who were just really good football players. Like this would be a 360 and then 346. Obviously this is, um, not something that is likely to happen, nor am I advocating it to happen. The Giants have way too many needs. But my point was Tavondre Sweat's going to be one of those players that we're going to see like on Sunday night football, Monday night football. He's going to make one of those play like a Vita Vea or something, right? Like a Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis. Just a, a huge, massive guy who has this crazy impact that, again, to your point, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm like, dude, I got to figure out this guy. And they have that edge rusher over there. Like, that's this sucks. <laughs> you know, like one of those type of situations. But speaking of edge rushers, man, there are there are a few down there. And Leatu Latu, the UCLA former Washington Husky, is is probably going to be the top pick of all the edge rushers that are down there. He's looking like he could be a top 10 pick that the neck injury that he suffered in like 2019 that held him out of football for two years. Uh, that could really drop him down boards. I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what, what the medicals say on Leatu Latu, but holy crap, when you turn on this guy's film or if you watch him at the senior bowl, his hands are so lightning quick. He can bend. His knees are like scraping the turf as he attempts to bend through contact and he's not really deterred. He has that really strong center of gravity when a tackle does meet him up the arc and tries to punch him. He can get so low and dip underneath those tackles, punches, and when he is hit, like I said, man, he has that balance to finish and corner really like what I've seen from Latu. It's just uh, the uh, the medicals are going to be a huge question mark. And then Darius Robinson is also having a, a great a great senior bowl week down there. The day two practice, he's the Missouri edge defensive lineman. He's like 285 pounds, so it really depends on what kind of defense you're running. I think he'd be more of like a five technique or, or something, but I have to watch a little bit more tape on him. But from what I've seen down in, in, in Mobile, uh, on tape, it, dude, holy crap, he's very quick for a man of his size, like like really quick. And I don't want to do the helmet scouting and look at former Missouri pass rushers, but Alden Smith was a name that kind of came into my mind just watching him. And I don't know if that's lazy. It might be. Still need to watch more tape on him, but he definitely flashes. Yeah, those two guys, particularly, I'd say Liatu and Darius Robinson, they're... Robinson is making money for himself, and... Liatu Latu might be making himself the first edge defender off the board. And like I said at the top, this is potentially a good edge class. Yeah, 
there isn't a Miles Garrett. There isn't a Will Anderson. There isn't that guy who's probably going to come in and just dominate the NFL right off the bat. But there are guys to fit pretty much every defense out there. And it, it's difficult to forecast any one of these guys. The Giants need help on the edge. Uh, I, I think that's the thing we've been saying for a while. I don't think you can count on Aziz Ojolari. And anyway, he's he's going into the final year of his contract. So yeah, the, the Giants need to backfill that position, maybe have somebody there for the future. And th the problem there is that right now, without that defensive coordinator domino falling to circle back to how we opened the show, it's tough to know precisely what kind of player they want or need. Do they do they need something like a traditional seven technique or maybe a, a, a bigger outside linebacker who can put his hand in the dirt? Or do you want somebody like, uh, not at Mobile, but Chop Robinson, the Penn State pass rusher who is just all speed? <laughs> you know, he, he can't really compare him to Micah Parsons because Micah Parsons is just different. But again, potential helmet scouting, there are some similarities there. And then you know, the this, this secondary is also pretty impressive. Talk about the Roman Wilson catch. Quinion Mitchell, it, that dude has magnets in his gloves as well. He gets his hands oh, on yeah, a dude. ton of balls. And he might well have worked his way up into being a first rounder over the course of this season and here at Mobile. There are so many good cornerbacks in this draft class, but Mitchell, you're right, man. Mitchell definitely has to be one of those top guys that, that you're considering, especially when you go down to an event like this. If he has like the right temperament and, and does well in these interviews, a lot of these NFL teams, man, they get more information on you. And if you like knock that that interview out of the park and you give them good information, that's only going to raise you up boards. And it's not like even though he's coming from a small school, Toledo, it's not like he can't perform down there because he is having one of the best weeks of, of anybody like Wilson got him on that one play that's gonna happen right we'll see how he responds and I'm looking forward to tomorrow's practice for that and we'll see how he responds in the game but he won't be going up against Roman Wilson because they're on the same team yeah and really the something to note is that we will be talking about the game but these practices are what really matter for these prospects. These are when the coaches are going to be really digging into these guys, getting their hands on them, looking at them up, co up close, seeing how they take coaching, not just seeing how they move and how they execute the plays, but what they do after the play is over. How do they correct? How do, what do they do in the meeting rooms before and after practice? And then just talking to the guys, getting a sense of who they are. You know, we say it every year, the practices are the important parts. A lot of times, most of the NFL evaluators leave for the game. Like, okay, if a guy becomes the senior bowl MVP, the Giants have drafted three of those so far. And that's nice. What Guys who make big plays during the game is nice, but also the games are kind of modified football. They what the players can and can't do what the coaches can and can't call is determined by the is much more strictly determined by the rules than in a real game these these practices these are what matter most and we just keep saying it there's a ton of talent here 
And there are guys that haven't gotten talked about a lot who are making money. Do you want to do you want to mention any of those players or any other players that you're excited to see entering the game before we get out of here? And I want to make one note before you answer that, Chris. We're not talking much about running backs or linebackers because those those two position groups I always felt were the most difficult position groups to evaluate in these one-on-one drills and um and and these senior bowl practices. I think if you want to take like the takeaways, the positions that you can take away a lot from at the senior bowl practices, typically wide receiver, even though they're at such an advantage against cornerbacks and then cornerbacks because they're at such a disadvantage against wide receivers in the one-on-ones and then defensive linemen who are at an advantage against offensive linemen and offensive linemen who are at a disadvantage against defensive linemen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was Bill Parcells who who said that the running back is the toughest position to evaluate. I would quibble with that slightly and say quarterback is definitely the toughest position to evaluate. But with running back, yeah, you. I think running backs and linebackers, they are best evaluated in the game tape because, you know, with a with a linebacker, specifically interior, off-ball linebacker, middle linebacker, it, the chess match is very important, and they are asked to do so much in the modern football game. They, A lot of linebackers have to be defensive linemen and DBs at the same time. Their responsibilities are all over the, all over the map, and they kind of have to do at least a little bit of everything and seeing how they process information, how their instincts, how they move. Can they drop into coverage through their feet, hips, ankles, all of that line up with the modern game? And also how do they come down? Do they take on blocks? How do they tackle? Because, you know, these, these practices, you know, guys aren't tackling at full speed and then flip side of that and kind of related with the, with running backs is yeah, their vision, their tempo, their pacing behind the line of scrimmage. How do they survive contact? Can they run through arm tackles? Yeah. Can they set up their blockers and anticipate defenders playing at full speed at the second, third level? You know, so much of that just, it, it doesn't, get shown off appropriately in these practices. So yeah, that that's kind of why we don't talk about those positions a whole lot. Chris, anything else before we get out of here? No, no, I think we've talked covered pretty much everything we set out to do. Uh now I think we're just kind of back to the tape and on to coaching watch. Coaching watch, let's do it. Thank you everyone tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, subscribe and like the podcast wherever you're listening to it and head on over to BigBlueView.com to check out all of our written content. Thank you and have a lovely day.